What we have here is a boost. A signal, a signal boost. boost. A boost for comic book Kickstarter campaigns. Brought to you by Spoiler Country. Each episode we bring you current campaigns that we think you should support. Talk with the creators to give you insight into the project and spread the love of indie comic books. Now sit back, grab a drink, and listen to what we have to offer you today. Join the cult of the Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Rick, and that is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's the first Kickstarter signal boost in over a year. We could just say the first one of 2020. We don't have to call it the fact we haven't done it for a year. Well, that's too late. Too late now. Yep. <laughs> Last one we did was uh, back in 2019 in you know February, so we're a little late. But yeah. we, we have been promoting Kickstarters through full episodes for the last year. We just haven't put together one of these, but we decided it's time to bring them back. Yeah, so if you guys don't remember, or this is the first time hearing one, uh, we call them KSBs, and it's short clips of like three different Kickstarters that are happening right now that we feel that you should know about and and hopefully support. We do, we do. And uh, two of the people, actually all three on this one have been on on these before. Yeah. They're all, all returning guests. Yeah, and today we're bringing you Claudio Gerardo, Ron Randall, and Madeline Holly Rising. Yeah, three great creators with three great books for you. Yeah, so first up on the list is Claudio Gerardo with Meet the Unusuals. All right, everyone, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country's very own Kickstarter Signal Boost. Today, I'm talking to creator Claudio Gerardo, and we're going to talk about his book, Meet the Unusuals. It is a black-and-white experimental surrealistic action-adventure comic following the tradition of Doom Patrol and the X-Men. So, Claudio, tell, tell us about your book, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, well... Um I want, well, as you know, my style of drawing, especially the figure drawing, is very is very unusual. <laughs> so I felt I could never really do a superhero or action adventure comic. And what it was was when I was watching the Doom Patrol TV series, I was intrigued and I wanted to check out the original Doom Patrol that I was told was actually written by Grant Morrison. So when I was looking at it, I said, you know what? I think I can actually apply my style in this kind of context. So I started drawing uh, the characters and get a bit of an idea. Then I was talking to Rob Anderson, who actually starts uh, something called Indie Advocates, and I've done some work for in the States. And he said, I'll be interested in writing for it. And I said, okay, well, you come up with a story. I'll illustrate it. So it basically started that way, and uh, the book is experimental, as I said, because we're pl- I'm playing around with the layout and the storytelling quite a bit. I'm applying my figure, my neo-humanism figure drawing, and 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 I w- it's more action adventure. Um, I don't know. I, I'm assuming you maybe I should give you a little bit of a context of what the story is about, or without help. Oh yes, yes. Okay. 
So the story is really about Harrison Ripley, who happens to be the grandson of Robert L. Ripley, of Ripley's Believe It or Not. And Harris, and I guess I wanted to go with the, the idea that, that, that Robert L. Ripley is fascinated by things that are very different or unusual, you know, things that you don't normally see. You know, because after all, his whole cartoon series was Ripley's Believe It or Not. So Harrison Ripley, the story goes that he basically, at this point, he's a treasure hunter. And he gets stranded on an island and he meets this unusual dog who basically can talk. And what then happens is he befriends the dog. And his best friend that he actually used to go exploring with all the time, all of a sudden, just disappears from his life. And then what happens afterwards is years later, Harrison wakes up. He's around. He's he's in his 40s now, and he's on an island, another island, with all these people, and he doesn't know why. So he gets back to the mainland, and he finds out that all these people have very unusual abilities. And then he's confronted by this individual called Dandy, and he's got his Matt, his face is blank except for his lips. And he basically, this guy Dandy is obsessed with perfectionism. He wants everything perfect. And his idea, the world is not perfect, the people aren't perfect. So he's going to get rid of all of them so he can actually set up his own perfect world. And he has his own set of people who have unusual abilities. And in a way, he's kind of challenging Harrison Ripley to kind of stop him. And of course, Harrison doesn't know why. And then he finds out later that Her- that his that Dandy has basically wiped out his memory of his family, and so this kind of drives Harrison. It's like, what do you mean? I, I lost my family? Like, like, so maybe I do need to stop the guy. So the first issue is more to give a little bit of a background how Harrison came to be, uh, and introduce you to the characters and their unusual abilities. And then in the second issue, we are going to basically get started with the adventure. So that's uh, that's basically, so that's why I kind of said along the lines of the Doom Patrol and uh, X-Men, because these are people with unusual abilities who are different. And of course, you get the McNeil or Professor X, so you got to kind of got that in there as well. And the reason I called it Meet the Unusuals is because I was trying to figure out a title for it. And I kept saying to myself, well, they have unusual abilities, so maybe call them Unusuals. And I guess basically... I love the... <laughs> Go ahead. I love the fact that you have Ripley as the uh, the Professor X type character. That is uh, an amazing um, way to do that. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. And the other interesting thing about uh, Ripley, now the other thing I did with the story, and here's a couple of things that when I talked to Rob about this, this uh, comic, there were three things I wanted to make sure that they were in the comic. First of all, no superhero costumes and no superhero names. So these people have just regular names. So you got Harrison, Frank, Spencer, Mia. So nobody, there's no superhero names, no superhero costumes. They just wear regular clothes. Uh, the other thing is I want the, the the age to really vary. 
So the oldest character there is 53 years old. His name is Frank, who basically talks to himself. And then you have the youngest would be about 19. And um, this is an autistic girl who basically has this ability to, whenever she has something mechanical, she can actually remake it and build it into something different or better. And so then you have somebody somebody else who's 22 years old. And of course, Harrison is in his 40s. And uh, the other thing about what to do with Harrison is that Harrison just sees himself as a, a normal guy. He doesn't have any unusual abilities. But then I said to myself, however, does he? Does he? Is he truly no unusual ability, or does he have an unusual ability? So I want to put a little bit of twist in there, and I do have something set up for him that will be shown later on, and also the reason why Dandy targets him directly. Um, and the other thing I wanted to put into this comic is, you know, he has always in comics whenever a character dies, they come back to life afterwards. I said to Rob, "Oh yeah, in this story." If a character dies, they're dead. They stay dead. So real stakes. Exactly. The character is dead. As a matter of fact, in the first issue, one of the, um, Harrison basically is telling the story in the first issue. And we're thinking about maybe having him a constant narrator for all the issues. So we're hearing the story from his side. In the first issue, he does talk about how one of the characters has died. And, but they'll be shown in a different issue. But you do get, he, he will explain, one of the characters will eventually die. Wow, so so actual stakes and uh, things that will, you know, for real affect the rest of the story. So you, you don't really see that often, and uh, that's awesome that you're going there. Yeah. So um, this, is, uh, this is kind of a... a an awesome thing. You you have a um, Patreon as well, mm-hmm. but um, and you've done you've done a Kickstarter or two before, correct? Yes, I have. Yes, I awesome. did, did. Yeah, I did one for um, raising money for a a gallery exhibition on comics in my area. And I was oh, actually, cool, cool. And I was able to raise the funds for it. And we went a little, we even went over, which is perfect because then I was able to cover also opening night reception for the artists. And the whole idea was just so the comic book artists were recognized for the work they were doing. That's amazing. And you, you've done so much for (laughs) your local art scene. Um, It's really inspiring seeing what you do. And I'm, I'm glad that you're able to uh, also, you know, do your do your own thing too yeah and uh make this comic and um i'm i'm really excited for it man oh i really appreciate it because i i really i you know part of the reason i went on kickstarter as well is because i was looking at my funds and i realized i just didn't have enough money to cover all the 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 printing costs for all the the issues i wanted because rob anderson who goes to the various constant estates uh, this is the one he always goes to. He is willing to actually bring the comics to the comic cons. So the, all the cons he will be attending, he will have the issues available. For oh, that's awesome. Sale. Uh, so he's willing to do that, which is great. 
but I found I didn't have enough money to cover the cost for the amount of issues I need. So that's the reason I'm on Kickstarter. I want to basically or make sure I cover those printing, so at least half the printing costs. I also need to cover the editor who's doing the editing of the book. His name is Chuck Pinot. So I want to make sure he gets paid the money he deserves. And anything extra I can make from it, I'm hoping to get a really good letter or maybe do a couple more extra copies. But also what I'm doing with the Kickstarter, in order to help, if people are willing, I'm offering some of the issues about, about I would say about 40 issues of the comic. 20 of those I will sign. And some others, not only will I sign it, but I will also do a drawing of any of the characters from the comic. So I'm offering I'm, I'm offering as much as possible. I'm even offering to do a commission painting of any character. And I mean, not just from the comic, but like any superhero character you love. Like let's say you're into Spider-Man or Superman or Batman. I will do a commission painting for you as long as you're willing to don't you know donate to my uh, comic and, and i mean this is original art and the the pledges just to get this original art is i mean it's pretty amazing so uh to get the commission painting is just 40 bucks um some people spend that on starbucks just in a week so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I will take original art anytime Starbucks can uh, I can get coffee at home. Um, yeah. So well, the paintings, yeah. the so the paintings will be done on what's called terraskin paper. Terraskin is a paper that's made of crushed stone, and it's very durable. So I can actually do one sheet that wasn't cost me that much. I can do a really beautiful, perfect painting for it. I've done it before in the past, and then I can easily mail it to somebody. So that's why I'm able to get it for the month. You know. Oh, that's awesome. Deal. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just. The to get the actual issue, it's just five bucks. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. So you guys do your part. Go out there, look up, meet the unusuals. It's on Kickstarter. Um, is the first thing that popped up when I typed in meet the unusuals. Claudio Gerardo. Anything else you want to say? Uh, just please uh, help me to make my reach my goal. I'm only asking for a thousand one hundred. Like I said, it's just to cover half my printing cost, pay the editor, get the issues published. Uh, this is uh, something, it's really, it's something I put a lot of work into. It's something I really enjoy and I really wanted to get it out there. I want to get it out to the public. Um, you know, uh, just I'm, I'm just asking, please help me reach my goal. That's the main thing because if it, if it sells well with the cons, uh, we already got issue two lined up. Uh, we're going really for something different. Um, and like I said, the main thing, like I said, one of the things we want to do with the comic, any character that dies is dead. In a way, the kind of the idea is, what if people had these are these amazing abilities, which of course is normal in a comic book, but the only difference is. Whenever you see in a comic, the first thing they do is they make themselves a costume, they give themselves a fancy, a special name, and then they go out and fight crime. This is not like that. This is actually like almost like real people. They get this unusual ability. They're stuck in this situation. I mean, to give, I'll give you a bit of an idea of one of the characters, just to give you an idea how it works. Okay, 
one of the characters is a mime. So whenever he, you know how mimes are always doing stuff, and it always, it's almost like uh, they pretend there's a wall there? Oh, yeah. So her ability is actually, if she pretends there's a wall there, there's actually a wall there. You don't see it, but it's actually there. And she doesn't speak. But the other thing about her is she's very hyper, so she can't maintain her concentration for very long. So this is so that's her ability. Is so if she actually pretends that she has a gun in her hand, she actually does have a gun in her hand, even though you don't see it. And that's when, awesome. You know, and she doesn't speak. And of course, like I said, we have somebody who has a, a uh, we have two characters who are autistic. We decided to throw that in there and just play with expl- experiment with that a bit. And the other character I told you about, Frank, who's 53 years old, well, this guy talks to himself. So the first thing is, why does he talk to himself? Well, and his unusual ability is that he's this amazing uh, fighter. And it's almost like he says, well, the voices in my head tell me how what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so this gives you an idea of, of what we're going with this. So the idea is basically almost as though, oh, this guy can do this, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Claudio, I'm I'm so stoked about this, and uh, I can't wait to see this thing funded. So uh, you guys go out there, fund this comic, and uh, get some art in your lives. Anything else to say uh, before we let you go? No, that, like I just said before, please help me reach my goal. I really, because I'm really stoked about this project. I really want to go for issue number, get issue number two going. As I want to get this issue number one out there and then get started issue number two and just continue on and see where it takes me. Because the other thing about this comic, we're doing it comic by comic. So it's not like we have an outline for the next 10 issues. We're going to be doing step by step. And, it's, and that's where the other experimental part is going to be. So oh, that's not, we that's ourselves fun. don't know where to go with this. <laughs> this is exciting, man. So uh, you guys meet the unusuals, Kickstarter, get it done. Claudio, thank you again, buddy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Casey. All right. Have a good one. Well, there you go. Our man on the street, Casey T. Allen, actually provides the interview. He does a great job. Hopefully, it tickled your fancy. If yeah. you want to go out, get on the Kickstarter, search up Meet the Unusual by uh, Claudio Gerardo, and uh, either if you can't afford it financially, give him a share. Yeah. It's a, it helps a lot. And there'll be a link down in the show notes below to click on it and go there. We're also going to tweet it out, too, so you can see it on our Twitter. So definitely go support it, because Claudio is a good friend of the show and a great guy. Who's up next? Up next, we got Ron Randall with Trekker, The Complete Journey, Volume 1. What you heard him uh, a week or two ago talk about uh, talk about this whole book. We had him talk about it a little bit for this one because I'm a huge fan of Ron Randall. I'm a huge fan of the Trekker, and I wanted to push it out there again. There you go. So um, after I'd done three new Kickstarter stories of new Trekker, uh, Trekker Adventure, um, I said, well, I, I've got to rescue. <laughs> I've got to go back and rescue all those stories that that has that have been allowed to go out of print through Dark Horse. So that's what this next Kickstarter is for. I'm going back and I'm gathering all of that material, all the stuff from the very first page 
of Trekker that was published in Dark Horse in like 1986 or 1987, all the way up through the last page that came out through Dark Horse. Everything that's out of print now, I'm gathering it together. I've gone back and I've added brand new color to over 200 pages that have never appeared in color before so that we can put out a, a large, somewhat oversized hardcover a deluxe volume of Trekker where the work looks you know, consistent in format and form and hopefully will read as just one long sort of continuous um, interwoven and interconnected series of adventures. Uh, it's going to be over 450 pages long. Um, and uh, so a really ambitious project uh, in scale yeah. compared to those first three Kickstarters. But um, I felt if I'm going to go back and, and bring those stories back into print, I wanted to do it right. And I wanted to do it in, in, um, in sort of a bigger and better format than we've been able to manage in the past. So uh, this is my shot to sort of, uh, you know, go for it all. <laughs> Over 400 pages. I mean, you could ostensibly stop a burglar with that thing. I mean, that's a big old <laughs> book. So well, it's, it, it, it's pretty big. It's um, I, I was concerned about that. I didn't want to, um, I've, I've collected a lot of, you know, you know, hardcover collections of, of, you know, one comic series or whatever or another. And my concern with this is uh, the, the main thing that I want to create is uh, I, I'm not primarily interested in creating a cool, fun artifact. Although I think this is going to be a really wonderful package, something that's going to feel cool to hold in your hand and look great. But, but my primary job is a storyteller. And so I want this volume to be something that people can pick up and it's user-friendly. You can hold it in your hand. You can flip through the pages without having to sort of struggle and wrestle with it because, you know, some of those volumes that are really like the big artist edition things. Oh, they're really unwieldy, oversized. some of yeah, them. As an artist myself, I love having them. I've got a bunch of them on my shelves and I love pouring over that original art. And it's, it's really almost, it feels almost like holding the original art in your hand. It's just magnificent. But it's not a way to read and experience the stories because you're you're so conscious of the fact that you're turning this page and that sort of stuff. So it's those are sort of for a different purpose. So when I when I was thinking about this, I was looking around at different sizes and formats, and what what I was really happy with is the um, the, the the image hardcovers for the Saga series. I don't know if you and your uh, audience are very familiar with that, but uh, it's a great science fiction series. And oh, it yeah. came out as came out as individual books and trades, and now they've got three and counting, you know, hardcover collections of those things that are again slightly larger than comics, but not massive. Um, and when I picked up those hardcovers, I liked the fact that the art was a little bit larger than comic size because even I was sort of familiar with you know the the books from reading the floppies and the trades, seeing the art just a little bit bigger just opens it up even more and made it feel like it was just more more presence. Um, but it wasn't so big that again I was just having to wrestle with, with, with. I could I could easily hold it in my in my hands in my lap and flip through and, and read it and not be aware of the medium, the, the size and the shape and way, but just getting lost in the stories again. Um, and I very much want this trickle book to 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 have that same experience. So I'm really, you know, largely modeling my my formatting uh, choices, the, the 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 page count of the book. Um, luck uh, it, that just happened to be um, uh, lucky that the the number of pages in the Trekker stories that I have that I'm looking to do here uh, pretty much exactly echoes the the number of page counts in those in those saga books. So the thickness, the weight, and then the overall page dimensions should be exactly the same or very close to the same as those saga books. Uh, 
again, I just didn't want it to be like it's, I don't want it to be so big and unwieldy that it's that it's better as a you know a, a burglar <laughs> suppression device <laughs> than a story delivery device. <laughs> so, some of the people that have read your newer editions of of Trekker. Mm-hmm. This is going to be presenting them with an opportunity to catch up on the stuff that they probably haven't even some of them haven't even seen yet because it's out of print. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, that's an amazing opportunity. I mean, it, it sounds like such a great uh, a great opportunity for new readers to jump on and people that didn't get that, you know, didn't jump on the train at the right time in the 80s or mm-hmm. possibly weren't even around in the 80s to to find this book yeah i um it's very you know every time i put out a new story and i, I like i go to a comic convention i've got a brand new trucker uh trade paperback out there people will come up to me and they say is this the first one or which of the two or three books here should i start with and and i and i have to say in all honesty and sincerity to these people i, I say two things number one is well the first story isn't available right now because <laughs> you know <laughs> they, they weren't and i say and of these three two or three books and you know, whatever i have I've had uh, at uh, at the show with me. Um, I'll say, I really, honestly design every one of these stories to work as a user friendly book for a brand new reader. I want any. I figure if I have the space that a that a graphic novel has to tell, I should be able to introduce the characters, the world, introduce an adventure, and have it reach a complete resolution in one volume. And if I've done my job right, they will want to go on and read the next book and go back and read the ones before it because they've enjoyed the experience enough. Not that they have to to get the rest of that story. Do you know what I mean? Um, they they have to if they want to see what ultimately happens to to the characters as they continue to grow and evolve and change. But I want each story to work as a standalone story. That said, there are people, and I'm one of them, who likes to get on the ground floor, start with page one, and follow the character through all of their experiences and the entire arc of their journey. And um, as I say... I haven't been able to offer that to people for a while now, and and that's what this hardcover is meant to do. It, it's meant to say, here's if if you want to get on a, on page one, this is the way to do it, and it will give you awesome. a great experience, a great you know a great sort of um, not exhaustive experience exactly because there's more to tell, but it, but I hope it will give them a very good, satisfying experience. So feel they got plenty of great story in that book, and again, if I've done my job right. They'll close that page and say, what a great series of adventures. I want to see what happens next. I want, I want, I want it to work on both of those levels. They'll feel, you know, completely satisfied with that story experience so much so that they want another one. <laughs> that That's amazing. And I'm really excited for this. So when you get, uh, when you get started on the campaign, can you tell us a little bit about your campaign? Um, yeah. Um, what exactly do you want to know about the campaign? <laughs> well, what, well, what's, I mean, what's the, uh, the, the barrier for entry? Like what, uh, where are you starting out at on the book? Oh, sure. Well, um, for, for the hardcover, the price of the hardcover is going to be 50 bucks. So, uh, it, it's a bigger bite, but like I said, it's 450 pages. Yeah. Color hardcover. Uh, it, it's just kind of hard to, to you know, economically make that work for anything less than that. And it's sort of the going price. Or, you know, even on the as economical as I can possibly price it, so some some books are harder than that. Um, if if readers, um, especially for brand new readers, um, on the campaign itself, I'm going to have a link. People people can click right to that, and I have 
they will be able to download for free the first Trekker story from back in uh, 1986. Um, and they can read it for free to see if they think Trekker is going to work for them. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I, I'm also making it available if people uh, want to. They can, uh, for like a $15 pledge, they'll be able to get um, a PDFs of the first four uh, Trekker stories. So they can support at that level. For $25, you can get the PDF of this of this book, of the entire 450-page book. Uh, but the physical reward um, of the book itself, um, that starts at $50. Uh, and, and then, you know, other reward levels uh, have a few other you know, bells and whistles attached at, at higher, higher price points. Um, but even at the $50 level, if you know, the plan is to, um, to hit our funding goal, which allows me to physically make and deliver the book. And if we hit the stretch goals beyond that, then we'd get to do things like emboss the cover, um, uh, add cover spot gloss, uh, add a, a, um, cloth bookmark that's attached inside the book, things like that to, to make the, uh, the physical object, uh, even nicer. And uh, uh, that'll look nice on a bookshelf. I think it should look very handsome on a bookshelf. Exactly. That's, 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 as I said, it's not my primary uh, um, goal here. It's to get those stories back into print in a way that people can enjoy the stories. But at the same time, if, if I'm going through all this effort, I do want it to be a, a really, uh, a really good high end physical object as well. And I want it to work on both of those levels. Um, other things of the campaign I'm going to be doing, uh, there's a process you can do to books um, where you can have a, a special sort of high-end print that's actually bound into the book. So at one level, um, I'm, I'm offering a, a, a limited run of those prints that were bound in the book that we signed and numbered by me. Um, so there are like a, that's a sort of a more um, limited edition collectible uh, variation on the book as well. So I'm trying to play a few angles to, to, to give backers a few different options if they want to have some, Something that feels a little bit more, you know, a little bit more special. But uh, at the same time, I'm trying not to make the campaign too complicated with a lot of extra, you know, stickers and, and prints and that sort of stuff. Um, because I really want to concentrate on, on running this campaign, making the, making the physical book as, as, um, as good and special and high end as I can. And then after this campaign, if it goes well, then, uh, then I go right back to to finishing up the work on the next new Trekker story and preparing the next brand new campaign. So uh, I've got a long term <laughs> got a long term mission here, and uh, I need to keep everything in uh, in its proper sequence. Yeah, and I mean you you've got your work cut out for you because one thing I, I neglected to um, to mention is that you are the creative team on this book. <laughs> it's me. It's all me. Yep. <laughs> how far does that extend do you even for like lettering and and coloring or is it uh do you have people come in for those those things or is it is it all ron randall himself um i have i have uh an invaluable uh helper on the coloring end of it uh a talented young artist named caitlin like who has her own um comics work she has her own project that she created writes and draws to called maiden in the machine maiden in the machine um and d does all you know other work as well but um i am blessed to have her help me out on the color end what she she does is she takes the um the black and white art and lays down initial colors on on all the areas it's called the flatting process for people that want to get into the 
<laughs> the nuts and bolts of this a little bit. Um, and those come to me. So that's it's like she puts down initial cover colors on, on, on all the pages. And then I go through and will change those colors if I want something different or tweak them or add textures and values and stuff like that. So I do the, 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 the finished work of the coloring is, is done that way. But she saves me a lot of time by doing that part of the job. And she often makes wonderful color choices that would not have occurred to me. Um, so, um, so she's the, the main creative partner I have on the book. But the writing of the stories, the drawing of the stories, the inking of the stories, the final coloring and the lettering, that's all on me. Um, I do also uh, hire an editor. I, I believe firmly that having a professional outside set of experienced eyes that, that can give you an object, some objective feedback um, is just crucial for, for quality control and continuity and that sort of stuff. I do not trust myself enough to believe that I'm, <laughs> that I'm always making the right call. So I have an editor um, uh, named um, Alyssa Sala, and she is uh, a very smart, a very, very talented and comic savvy young woman who um, brings a whole different perspective. She's like a generation or two younger than me. And uh, this comes from, you know, her comics reading and comics experience background is so wildly different than mine that I, I, I find her, her feedback, her suggestions and her insights are just great. A lot of, again, just like with Kayla, a lot of ideas that would not have occurred to me on my own, she'll say, have you thought about this? Or why don't you insert a panel like that there? Um, you know, very, um, very sort of detail oriented and just, just helps to give me those little prods that, that helped us suggest little things, uh, nothing radical to remake the stories at all, just little enhancements, just little things that enrich the story tremendously. And, and I can easily organically weave into the, you know, the, the, the plots and the stories that I already have in my mind. So I don't have a large creative team and like what 90% of the work is, you know, comes directly from me, but the support that I have, I've assembled very carefully and very intentionally to get some perspectives that, that, that I'm confident in that understand what I'm trying to do and just help me get there. So, um, so it's, it's great working with them both. That's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about this campaign and, uh, just so the, the people listening at home can, uh, can get it through their heads. <laughs> when does that begin again? Uh, the campaign launches on, uh, January 21st. Uh, and, uh, I always will. I have the the URL for all of my campaigns is the same. It's very simple. It's trekkerkickstarter.com. That's trekker t r e k k e r kickstarter.com. Uh, just punch that into the computer, and it should take you right to the live campaign. I think that makes Ron officially on the show eight times now. <laughs> we love us some Ron. We do. We do. What's funny is I tell Greg Smith this, that he's because right now Greg Smith is our most recurring guest, not counting Casey because Casey's not a guest anymore. Right. Uh huh. He's like, no, no, Ron can't catch me. I have to be ahead of him. So right now, Greg and Ron are neck and neck. <laughs> it's a race. It's a race. Well, that, hopefully you guys like what you heard. And I mean, Trekker's always a great read. Been around since she, she's been around, Mercy's been around since the late 80s. Yeah. Definitely go and check it out. Again, if you can't afford to, I don't know what, donate, 
Can't afford to back or support yeah, the book. Yeah, back. That's the word you know, I'm looking share, for. Share it on Twitter. Yeah. Share it on, on your socials. Put it on Facebook. Tell your mom. Tell your grandma. Everybody. All right. We got one more. We got one more. And yep. this one's with the great Madeline Holly Rising and Boston Metaphysical. Today we are talking to the author and creator of the Boston Metaphysical Society, Madeline Holly Rosing. She has a new project on Kickstarter, Boston Metaphysical Society Ghosts and Demons. Madeline Holly Rosing, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm glad to have you. And so you have this isn't your first uh, rodeo. <laughs> on the Boston Metaphysical Society, and it, it seems like it's something that people really appreciate and and want more of. So um, it, it looks yeah. like you're doing a public service by putting these out. <laughs> Holy smokes! Um, yeah, this is actually our our eighth Kickstarter. Holy smokes! Um, I, I will say the first one failed spectacularly, as they often do. Uh, uh, we learned a lot from that, re-strategized, relaunched a couple months later, and were fully funded in under 48 hours. Oh, and wow. And basically, people go like, how did you do that? Well, basically, we uh, broke up everything into smaller bits. Uh, when I first <clears throat> came to Kickstarter, it was to fund the last three issues of the original six issue miniseries and go to trade. And for those of your audience who are not familiar with the series, it's about an ex Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s, Boston. Now when that Kickstarter, you know, we were asking for a lot more money and we actually did okay considering no one knew us from anywhere had about 200 backers and we made a little over $7,000. So at the time we were looking for 25, which actually makes sense if you're putting together a whole trade and paying for production, you know, and all of that. But then we just broke it down into smaller bits. We already had, uh, we had self-funded issues um, one through three. And then we went to Kickstarter for three and then printed four within that, and then five and six in the trade. And this Ghosts and Demons is our third sequel in the series. And these are all stand, the sequels are all standalone. So you can pick them up individually, uh, but it's, you know, it's always kind of nice to start at the beginning. That's, that's amazing. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the, um, how did this book come about? The uh, original series was uh, a TV pilot that I wrote while I was at UCLA Film School. I was in the graduate program there. And it did fairly, the pilot did fairly well in uh, competitions and it was shopped around. People liked it, but, you know, this was over 10 years ago. So steampunk really hadn't hit mainstream yet. And you know, they're frightened because of the cost, you know, period costumes, things like that. And, you know, I'm a new writer, all that other fun stuff. So uh, some people I respect suggested I turn it into a graphic novel 
to use it essentially as marketing material to bring it back to either TV or film. Well, in the process of doing that, I discovered that I really love writing comics. And so here I am. <laughs> and it looks like you guys aren't going to get rid of me. So, yeah. It, it looks like, yeah, it looks like uh, people don't want to get rid of you. So so <laughs> what was your experience to, to comics prior to um, to writing your, your first Boston Metaphysical Society comic? Uh, pretty much almost nothing. Um, my... <laughs> My brother probably has one of the largest graded collections of Daredevil comics in the country, but he never read them. And all I knew was superhero comics, that, and that just did not interest me. So when before I started writing the graphic novel, I actually took a couple classes on how to write comics, which I suggest everyone do if they want to write comics. Um, had a wonderful class. And but part of that in the syllabus was, oh, guess what? Go read independent comics. So I started reading uh, Why the Last Man, Astro City. I mean, just a ton of stuff. And I was actually kind of pissed off because no <laughs> one no one had ever told me about independent comics before. And I love them. The stories were great. The characters were great. They were nothing like the superhero stuff. Not that I'm bad mouthing it. It just it's it's good. It just wasn't for me. And, yeah, it, it has such yeah. A, a domination on the market, and um, it, it's hard for for people who are not familiar with comics to to see beyond the the punch 'em ups. Yeah, and so. um, no, I mean, trust me, I I respect you know people like Gail Simone and and what they've done. It's just it's just amazing. Um, but you know, I came late to the game and, uh, just, yeah, the, the stories that you find in indie comics is, is just amazing. So, uh, now I'm kind of in an indelible part of the community. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, you, you, you did this comic. And you're you're now on your third sequel. Can you tell us a little bit about Ghosts and Demons and what happens without without spoiling it? Obviously, no, spo no spoilers. Well, Ghosts and Demons was inspired by a short story I wrote in the Boston Metaphysical Universe called Here Abide Monsters. It was uh, published in an anthology called Sometime Later by Thinking Ink Press. And it was the origin story of Duncan the Ghost, who you meet early on in the original six-issue miniseries, and, you know, how he became a ghost. So what I did was take one of the characters from that story and sort of bookend it with ghosts and demons. Um, so you do see Duncan again in Ghosts and Demons. And, you know, you haven't seen him for a while. Um, if you've read the entire you know, if you read all the books, he's, I think, like in the first and second issues. And then he's in a couple of the other um, short stories I wrote, um, but then doesn't appear until, again, until Ghosts and Demons. So and, you're elaborating on this character that, that you yeah, just kind of I've, sprinkled in the other stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm expanding on that character and, and on the universe. Um, for those who have read both my prose work and the comics 
everything is standalone, but it's interlinked. And when you read all of it, it enriches the universe for you. And and that was always my intent that you could just drop in and and read something and and enjoy a you know complete story. But if you start reading the other stuff, you're going to see linkage between everything. That's awesome. And so, what are your your goals for this campaign? Like, do you have stretch goals? It looks like you guys are well past being funded already, which I never like to say that during an interview during, during our thing. Cause I, I want people to, to still go out and, and fund this. Like they need to read this story. Boston metaphysical society is an awesome story. Um, but yeah, you guys are fully funded. So what are the stretch goals? Uh, I think we're on stretch goal number five and so far, there's two additional prints that uh, people have gotten um, who are getting physical rewards. They uh, have already gotten an additional uh, six comics as digital rewards, and that's for anyone who pledges uh, $6 and above. So not only did they get my comic, but so far they get six. Actually, is it six? Twelve. I'm sorry, twelve. They're up to twelve. They get 12 additional comics on top of mine. And that's, just, and that's just a basic digital. Uh, but yeah, if you pledge to a physical reward so far, you've gotten two extra prints and you've gotten the bookmarks. And uh, what we're going for now is uh, to, for me to be able to print in, to, in North America. Uh, I, my budgets are pretty lean. And which often means I have to print overseas. So if, you know, we can make the stretch goal to uh, for me to be able to engage uh, a North American printer, then everyone gets their stuff, you know, a month to six weeks earlier. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Which which I love to do. I was able to do that for the last campaign. We did well enough that um, uh, I hired a domestic uh, printer and they did a great job on the spirit of rebellion and uh, and people are going like oh my god I didn't expect this like for months <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's always wonderful to be able to get stuff out early to your backers I love being able to do that What's funny about this one, Kenrick, uh, is that on our last KSP from last year, she was on promoting her last Boston Metaphysicals book. <laughs> so she's on, technically she's on two in a row. <laughs> oh. There's just 12 months between it. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, she was great. Boston Metaphysicals is a, really, is a really fun book. So if you haven't heard of it before, obviously on the campaign, there's ways to, you know, get all the books and read them all. But there's, you know, this new one, Ghosts and Demons. It looks incredibly fun. Yeah. So there you guys go. All right. That's all we got today. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed all three of those and that you're going out and you're spending all your hard-earned money on all of it. Meet the Unusuals by Claudio Gerardo, Trekker the Complete Journey Volume 1 by Ron Randall, and Boston Metaphysical by Madeline Holly Rising because all three of them work really hard. And if you can't financially afford it, like I've said a few times now in the same uh, podcast, then share it out. Like, 
dead serious. Yeah. It helps tremendously because if you can't afford it, maybe one of your friends can or somebody sees it that really likes it and they'll get into it and all of a sudden they're backing it and it's always a good thing. It is. It is. Sharing helps so much. And <laughs> sharing is caring. Sharing is caring in this in, in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. There'll be more KSBs, Kickstarter signal boots coming out in the future. And we've got a lot more stuff coming out for you guys. Just, you know, keep an ear open. Yeah. All right. Don't forget to open the mind. Read more. <laughs> <laughs>